From the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Greeny with Mike Greenberg on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch the show on the ESPN app. Two. Football Friday, Dan Grassa in for Greeny right here on 98.7 ESPN. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Good hour, a lot of football, a lot of baseball that we crossed off the list. going to be more of that here over the next 60 minutes. We'll also give you some NFL picks, send you off into the weekend before the show is done as well. Remember, you can get me on Twitter, too, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. So we were talking about the Mets to begin the show. Brandon Nimmo, part of the fold. You get David Robertson last night as Uncle Steve, breaking out the checkbook, spending some money. A couple of moments ago, too, uh, we got word that Trevor Williams, who, you know what, say what you want, Trevor Williams was pretty valuable for the Mets last year. Kind of like that swing role, you know, could start, could relieve. He signs a two-year deal with the Washington Nationals. I don't know if it's because, like, maybe the Washington Nationals, you know, think that that's going to help fill the void of losing Bryce Harper all those years ago because he kind of looks like Bryce Harper. So maybe they see him and they, they maybe they're going to call him Bryce. Trevor Williams walks in there and says, hey, Bryce, but no, it's it, it's Trevor. And look, they need bodies more than anything else because the Nats are, you know, they're going to have another tough season in the National League East. So are the Marlins. It's going to be those three teams. It's going to be Mets, going to be Braves, going to be Phils uh, for National League East supremacy. And if you're the Mets, you got to figure out what you got to do to get back to that level. And even improve upon, as we said. You know, all the Mets have done here basically is just spin their wheels in place. They haven't gotten any further ahead with these moves. Now what's next? How do you upgrade? How do you improve? Philadelphia went to the World Series. They got better. Braves are the Braves, right? Mets still need to bring in some bodies and to upgrade this roster. Because right now, I don't think it's good enough to win a championship. I really don't. Not to mention the fact that you're banking on two pitchers who are 40 years old, one of which wore down last year and spent a couple of times on the injured list. And now you're having another guy you're paying $43 million to who just won a World Series and just won a Cy Young Award, but realistically speaking, what are the odds of him doing that again? How? All right, let's get to some calls here. We haven't had many this morning yet. Let's say hi to Kenny in Jersey. He's going to be first up on 98.7 ESPN. Kenny, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Dan. First of all, you do an amazing, amazing job. Thanks, Jen. Amazing, amazing job. And you're you're spot on with the Mets. So it's just so you know, spot on. But, you know, again, I'm not counting Steve Cole's money, but, you know, he's... Me, I'm... If you're going to break the bank, break the bank. Me, I'm I'm actually... My two thoughts are try to sign Carlos Rodon, because don't forget, like you said, brought it up. They got two pitchers at 40 years of age and older, and they're only on a two-year contract, so at least Carlos Rodon is 29, so you could sign him to maybe a five- or six-year deal, something like that. But I would also make a phone call to either Carlos Correa's or the other guy from from Atlanta and see if they're willing to play third base like the Yankees did with A-Rod. Lindor and Correa on the left side, to me, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Kenny, I don't look, I don't disagree with you about needing another impact bat, and I thank you for the phone call. Here, here's the problem, though. Is there a limit even for Steve Cohen? Right? I, I, I mean, how much higher can realistically this payroll be? It's at like 330 right now, which is the highest in baseball. He's shattered through even the Steve Cohen tax. 
So he is going to be paying not just whatever the payroll ends up being, but then on top of that, the tax associated with it. And Carlos, take Carlos Correa. For, and look, I like Carlos Correa a lot. Big time player, big game player, all those things. Trey Turner got $300 million from the Philadelphia Phillies. Xander Bogarts got what, 285, 282, 285 or whatever it was from the San Diego Padres. How much do you think Carlos Correa is going to net? Think about that for a second. Carlos Correa is going to net well over 300. And so do the Mets really want to make that type of a commitment? Because here's the other problem. And I know that it's a gamble and I know that it's risky. But I guess they feel that in-house, they got a couple of guys that they hope are going to be big contributors to that lineup this year. And Francisco Alvarez, who you're going to catch him sometimes, he could DH. And then he got Brett Beatty. Now, Brett Beatty's got to go out there and actually win a job. You're not just going to hand him third base. But is Brett Beatty going to become like the next David Wright immediately in 2023? I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it'd be great for the Mets if he did. But how confident are you? And the thing you keep coming back to is, again, it is a win-now team. When you got two starting pitchers who are 40 years of age, you got to make this thing work. Right? You got to load up. You guys get a chance to hear Jacob DeGrom yesterday in Texas, his press conference? Look, we knew that he didn't want to be here anymore. He didn't. Now, was the offer that Texas put in front of him? Did that make the decision a hell of a lot easier? And if there were any sort of reservations on his behalf about... Should I go? Should I stay? You know, when they put that money in front of you, that kind of makes all that stuff go away? Yeah, probably. I don't doubt that for a second. But there were members of the New York media that were at the press conference yesterday, and so he got his fair share of questions about leaving the Mets. How tough was it to leave the only team that you've played for? That's not an easy decision. And, you know, I spent the first eight plus years of my career with the New York Mets. And, you know, I, I have to thank them for that. They'll always hold a special place in my heart, my wife's heart, my kids, you know, from ownership to my teammates there, the fans, ultimately, you know, they made me feel welcome there. And, you know, they played a big role in my career. So there will always be a special place in my heart for the New York Mets and their fans. And, you know, it's just, you know, that's the part of the business of baseball is seeing what CY and, like I said, Boach and Ray were building here was something. I wanted to be a part of. See, he started off good there. You know, the first maybe like 25 seconds of that cut. You know, it seemed like it was genuine, seemed like it was sincere about the Mets, the fans, the whole organization, whatnot. But then that part at the end, though, about the Rangers organization, talking about Chris Young and Bochy and Ray Young, who's the, you know, the owner. Not not Ray. um, What the hell's his last name? Ray... The principal chairman, what the hell is that? Whatever. But he's the owner. He's the guy who signs the checks. You mean to tell me that they're not doing the same thing with the Mets? Like Steve Cohen, the payroll's at $330 million. They're not trying to win? Wait, he's just spending that money out there so they can finish in last? Ray Davis. Yep. Not Ray Davies from the Kinks. Ray Davis. You know who the Kinks are, right, Anthony? Sure. Absolutely. Uh, so again, another question. Why the why the Rangers? 
Going through the process, you have you set up meetings with teams, and whenever I found out the the Rangers were one of those teams, I was I was really excited. And then you know, getting on a call with uh, Cy and Boach, you know, hearing the vision of, of what the Rangers want to do, and ultimately getting to meet Ray and and the vision here and bringing a World Series here. That's the goal: winning a, a World Series. And these guys all had that same vision, and it, it lined up with what what I wanted to do. So they showed a ton of interest right in the start, and the feelings were mutual. And just very happy to be here. I mean, like. I I get it. Look, Jake DeGrom is not the first. He ain't going to be the last athlete to go up there and try to spin it six ways to Sunday about why he signed with a place and why he's playing with a different team and why he didn't want to be on his previous team and all those things. And look, that's what free agency is all about, right? You afford yourself the opportunity to make those type of decisions. You can do whatever he wants. He can do what he pleases. But you can't sit here and talk about a vision, and you can't sit here and talk about how great things that they're building. And t- Look, if you want to sit there and say that Globe Life Field or Park, or because they ch- it used to be Globe Life Field, now it's Park, or vice versa, whatever. If Globe Life Stadium is better than City Field, if you want to use that as an excuse, okay, fine, maybe I'll believe that. You want to come out, though, and say that the you know, state tax in Texas compared to New York, cost of living, all those things, you know what, I'll even meet you there, because it's true. But you can't give me the vision, and you can't talk about what they're building with the Texas Rangers and compare it to the New York Mets. I mean, the Rangers lost 94 games last year. 94 games. And you know what? Nobody around baseball looks at that organization from afar and says, oh, my God, I got to be a part of that. You know, nobody looks at the Rangers and say that it's an ascending organization and it's an ascending roster and they got all this talent. They spent $500 million last year on Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and it got them nowhere. Think about that for a second. Imagine spending all that money and all it gets you is 68 wins. Meantime, Mets won 101 games last year. Yeah, they crashed and burned in the playoffs. I get it. But they win 101 games. You got the richest owner in the sport. The payroll is going to probably be in the neighborhood of $350 million. And you're going to sit there and talk about a vision of what they're building and getting to a World Series? Jake, let's make a little bet, you and I. Who do you think gets to a World Series first, the Mets or the Rangers? What do you think? Who do you think gets to the championship round first? The Mets, the Rangers, or even the New York Rangers? Let's throw them into the mix while we're talking Rangers. Who the hell knows? By the way, Rangers avalanche tonight. Coverage on 1050, pregame at 830 with me. Right, they are playing. <laughs> yeah, avalanche. <laughs> I, can't, I was going to say Vegas, but I was like, no, that was two nights ago. I don't know, man. These have been long days, long nights. Aaron Boone Q&As, carving station, all that stuff. Not on the text chain. Very traumatized. But I mean, come on, dude. Just be honest. Right? Level with us. I, I, I got to hear that one more time. One one more time, Jake. Going through the process, you have you set up meetings with teams, and whenever I right. found out the, the Rangers were one of those teams, I was I was really excited. And then Who's excited you know, getting about on a call Rangers? with uh, CY and Boach, you know, hearing the vision of, of what the Rangers want to do and ultimately getting to meet Ray and, and the vision here and bringing a World Series here. That's the goal, winning a, a World Series. And these guys all had that same vision, and it, it lined up with what, what I wanted to do. So they showed a ton of interest right in the start and the feelings were mutual and just very happy to be here what was so what was the goal last year when the Mets won 101 games 
I know that he wasn't a part of a lot. The thing about it, Jake won five of the 101 games. What was the goal then? What was the goal while you were rehabbing the, 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 the broken scapula or whatever last year's injury was? All these other injuries, you know, they run part and parcel. You kind of forget about them. What was so great about meeting Ray? What, did, what does Ray do? Ray bring you out on the ranch down there? You ride horses all afternoon? Ray Dinahan's looking at me. I'm not talking about you. Think about it, though. I mean, Jake, just say it. You don't want to be in New York anymore. You don't want to be here. You didn't like the big city life. Now we could go down and play for the Texas Rangers, who, let's be honest, they're not even the biggest team in, the, in their own state. You got a world champion in the state, for crying out loud. The team that everybody else is ascending to be. Good luck with that. He got his money, you know. Maybe he felt he was underpaid when he signed that last contract. That was his boy, Brody, that gave him that contract. And it was before he was a two-time Cy Young winner. I get all those things. But if you think that the Texas Rangers are close, and look, it's a crapshoot in the playoffs. We know that. Look at what happened this past year. I mean, nobody thought the Phillies were going to a World Series, and they did. They got hot at the right time. We see that all the time in baseball. But you know what? To get to a World Series, you got to actually get in the playoffs. And the Rangers right now are in a division with a team that is the best in baseball in the Houston Astros until proven otherwise. You got a Mariners team that just won 90 games and is only going to get better, in my opinion. The other two teams, take them for what they're worth. Angels are going to be sold. They're probably going to lose Otani after next year. And the A's, I mean, you know, they might as well go play in a parking lot. But just be honest. I mean, can, can you just be honest? That's all. Can you be honest? Fans deserve that. Speaking of news, we actually have some news involving the New York football giants. This from Pat Leonard, who, of course, covers them for the New York Daily News. Brian Dayball just said it's possible Saquon Barkley's status for Sunday is in doubt. He hopes he will play, but his neck is sore, so he will see. I don't think you need to be a football genius to figure out that if Saquon Barkley ain't playing this week, Giants have no shot. Right? And we could sit here and, you know, go on and on and on about all these different things. And, you know, you got to play and you never know what's going to happen. Giants aren't beating the the Eagles without Saquon Barkley. And that's troublesome in the sense that everything we outlined a little bit earlier in the show about the Giants and the rest of the season and can they make the playoffs and what's it going to take for them to win. That all goes up in smoke if you don't have, forget about. Saquon Barkley on the field, but even if he's playing and if he's less than 100% and he can't give you the type of production that you got from him for the first, I don't know, 10 weeks of the season, you look at this Giants team a little bit differently. At least I do. I mean, how can you not? So if we get any more information moving forward here, we'll let you know, but doesn't sound too good right now if Saquon Barkley ain't exactly feeling all too good. For the New York Football Giants. Let's go back to the phones, 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Jose. He's in Emerson. He's up next year on 98.7. Jose, how are you? Good, good. Thank you for taking my call. What's up, Jose? Uh, quick question on DeGrom. Uh, I'm not uh, sorry for him to leave. It's a business, and he had to go for whatever reason it is. That's private. But I think that the, the Mets didn't do him any favors because the man never had really blood support. And it was eight years of... The same old, same old. He's pitching like the best in baseball. They, they can't get a run over for him. I got a second question on the, jet, on the Jets. If they don't play Mims, 
they're going to lose this game. He has to be a big part of this game. And I'll let you... Uh, Why? Because I think he's a forgotten player with other teams. And if they could sneak him in somehow and make him as a decoy, as a block air or something, release, maybe they could get some big plays on him. Yeah, but the problem with that, Jose, is, and I thank you for the phone call, Denzel Mims plays the same position as Corey Davis does. They're essentially like the same guy, right? That outside wide receiver. And now you have Corey Davis back. You didn't have Corey Davis in that first game against the Bills. That's why Mims played. And look, Mims, that day against Buffalo, let's not forget, I think they threw him, I want to say, three or four passes that day. And he dropped all of them except for one. And the only one that he caught, thankfully for the Jets, was that one at the end of the game on that third down conversion when Zach Wilson hit him on that quick slant. And that was able to put them in position there to kick that field goal, which they ultimately took the lead. So I, I, I just don't know if there's as many snaps for him to have. Last week against Minnesota, I just had to look it up. Denzel Mims played 16 out of 85 snaps. 16 out of 85. Corey Davis played 69 out of 85. So I I, I just don't know if there's going to be the reps there for him. That's the only thing. I'm not sitting here saying that Denzel Mims is a bad player, and I think that, you know, I give credit to Mims for the fact that he was able to kind of salvage his season when he looked like he was going to be the one in the doghouse. You know, he requested the trade back in the summertime, and he wanted out of here. And then what happens? Corey Davis gets hurt, takes advantage of the opportunity, and Jets think highly of him, and the Jets are playing him. And, you know, he's good in the in the run game when it comes to blocking on the outside. But there's only so many guys and so many different ways that you can work yourself into the offense if you're not going out there and contributing. Nate in Jersey up next here on 98.7. Nate, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. How you doing, Dan? How's what, everything, man? What's up, Nate? How's things? Good, good. Thank God. Um, I want to get to a few Yankee points. Um, it's great that we locked up Judge. I'm stoked about that. Everything looks great in that regard. Um, they still need to, and I know they will, make more moves. Um, I don't know if they bring back Benintendi or make a trade for Brian Reynolds for left field. Maybe a third baseman. I don't know what the, what the issue with that is because Donaldson's a lost cause in my mind. Um, Rodon, I know they're really, really hot on, but I don't know if that's a for sure lock that, that we're getting with Rodon. And I still think that they need to shore up the bullpen um, and I just want to know, you know, what do you kind of think? Like, what, what do you think would be the next move or what's a realistic move for them to, to kind of do for, for all those spots? Well, Nate, you, you, I'll tell you, you ran down a laundry list of a lot of things, right? And you're not wrong. You know, you're not wrong really with any of them. And to me, that just shows that there's still work to be done, just like the Mets. You know, the Yankees and Mets are kind of in a similar state right now in that the job is not finished yet. And thankfully, they don't have to worry about that because spring training doesn't begin still for a couple of more months. But they still got to get busy here. And if you're asking me right now with the Yankees, I think Rodon is the guy you got to go out and get because you still need another dependable frontline starting pitcher. Because, look... If the sure. Yankees are going to have holes in that lineup, and I'm not saying that they will, but if they do, because last year, remember, without Aaron Judge, that offense was giving you nothing. And I know that injuries oh, it were... it was anemic. It was It awful. was anemic. And there was a lot of injuries that played a part in that. And, you, you know, LeMahieu's going to come back okay. And, you know, obviously you talk about the guys who were missing elsewhere. But if you've got the pitching 
That is going to be your foundation, and that's going to keep you in a lot of games and help you win some games. Yeah, so, yeah, to me, well, I'm always throwing think, my money there. Th- yeah, think about a play. Think think about a starting rotation. You, even in the playoffs, you go, you go, your playoff, your playoff rotation is Cole, Rodon, and Cortez and Severino. That's pretty damn good, if you ask me. Well, and then pretty you damn ha- good. And then you got the other wild card there, Nate. And I thank you for the phone call. In Frankie Montas, and the thing about Montas, it was kind of a lost. You can't even say half season. A lost couple of months from him since coming over to the Yankees. Because I think Yankee fans never got a chance to see the Frankie Montas that they thought they were acquiring. Right? Because he was nicked up a little bit still when he was with the Oakland A's last year. And then that kind of resurfaced when he got traded over. If you can get a healthy Montas, that's an X factor to me. It's like another wild card. But I still think you have to go out there and get at least one more commodity in that rotation, and why not have it be Carlos Rodon? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you, and he's got a lot of suitors right now because if you look at Rodon, right, the way things currently line themselves up right now in free agency, in Major League Baseball, like front-line starting pitching, Verlander's off the board, the next guy is Rodon when you're talking about starting pitchers. And then after Rodon... I don't want to say that it falls off a cliff, but there is another kind of line below that. Then you're talking about the Chris Bassett's of the world, the Nathan Avaldi's of the world. The Yankees aren't going to bring back Nathan Avaldi. Been there, done that, right? You know, you're not going to take another run at Corey Kluber. Too many injury risks. And plus, you know, you went down that road already. Road on or bust if I'm the Yankees. And you know what? Everything you hear is that they are in on him. Now let's see if they're going to be able to pony up the cash or if they feel obligated to pony up the cash. There's going to be somebody that gives them probably a contract that shocks us a little bit. Just joining us, Saquon Barkley. His status suddenly in doubt Sunday for the New York Football Giants. Brian Dayball says that we'll see, but he's dealing with a sore neck. And that could put his availability in jeopardy for the Giants game against the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, coming up on Sunday afternoon. Jets go up to Buffalo to see if they can orchestrate the season. Wouldn't that be something, right? Jets can't beat the Patriots. Two games that they very easily could have won, maybe even should have won. And then if they make up for that by going up to Buffalo and then sweeping a team that, you know, before the season, you said they got no shot of beating the Buffalo Bills. No shot whatsoever. But... That could very easily be the case. We see. I think that the Jets got a shot. They got to play mistake-free football, as we know, a little bit tougher on the road. And if you can force Josh Allen into a couple of those miscues, like you saw in that first meeting at MetLife Stadium, that'll make things that much more accommodating for this football team. Knicks, real quick here, on the other hand, they're back at it tonight. They're in Charlotte to take on the Hornets. Knicks have done a nice job here last couple of games, getting home victories against Cleveland and Atlanta. And, you know, if you go back even further, the stretch of games that began on that West Coast trip, right? They went three out of five on the West Coast. Then they went three and four since coming home from that with some home games against some tough opponents. So, what, six and two? So you're six and six in those 12 games. That's not terrible, right? Because going in, I mean, you thought probably it could have been even worse. And the way this Eastern Conference is right now, look, I'm realistic about my expectations for this team. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that they're going to be a title contender or anything close to that. But you still expect them to at least make the playoffs. 
And if you look at this Eastern Conference the way it is right now, I mean, you got a bunch of teams that are still just all jumbled right in the middle, right? I mean, the Knicks right now are only a game back in the loss column from the four seed. Because right now it's Boston, Milwaukee, and Cleveland, and everybody else in the conference. So if the Knicks could be part of that everybody else, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, to be quite honest. You got Charlotte tonight. They stink. Jordan not in the lineup, so you don't got to worry about him, and you don't got to worry about the Hornets. They're not a good basketball team. It's a game the Knicks should win. You know, why not win three in a row? Why not go down there and win a basketball game? You're the better basketball team. Get back to 500. You got Sacramento coming into the Garden on Sunday. Coverage begins at 545, by the way. I know that. Wink, wink. Stack up some victories. You know, Chicago's gotten off to a tough start here this season. They're, they're, you talk about injury. I mean, Chicago's dealing with a lot of stuff right now. You play them back-to-back games next week in Chicago. So, you know, I think they've done a nice job kind of stemming the tide a little bit and not letting this thing kind of really get out of hand. Now, how much longer is there going to be harmony, though, within the ranks when you're talking about the Knicks? Because we know Tibbs has kind of cut that rotation down, and there's a couple of guys who you thought were going to be at least contributors to a certain degree on this team this year that right now are out of the rotation. In Derrick Rose, Cam Reddish, and Reddish may be even more surprising because it looked like he was maybe kind of finding a niche a little bit with this team, right? He was in the starting lineup there for a while. He was showing you some good stuff, both ends of the floor, and now he doesn't play. Is that sustainable? I don't know. Is it sustainable even playing nine guys, right? Is that going to be something that pays dividends for this team in the long run? I'm not so sure. Like, I don't think it's something that the Knicks are married to, and I don't think it's something that you can be because I just don't think that this talent level is on par with some of these other better clubs in the league. And I think you're going to have to rely on contributions from as many guys as possible. So you could sit there, I think, and continue to maybe keep turning over this rotation and including guys and subtracting guys. But to say that it's just going to be, all right, these are the only players that are going to make us win basketball games or hell. That's not what type of team this is. You know, Derrick Rose is a good soldier because he's a Tibbs guy, right? But eventually you're going to hear from him. You know, he's a guy that's going to have to at least factor into this a little bit if the Knicks are going to be a playoff caliber type team. I really and truly believe it. Now, we've heard the stuff about Cam Reddish that, you know, a trade was being requested. He sat there and denied it. Knicks have a trick up their sleeves, I think. Leon Rose and company, you know, they're going to have something to say once we get to the deadline or thereabouts. Because you know that the pressure is going to be on and there's going to be a lot of nights like we've already seen this year where, you know, the Knicks deficiencies are going to be exposed, especially when you're going up against a team that has that star power and that player that can just absolutely take over a game. And more often than not, it's the guy wearing the opposing uniform. It's not somebody wearing a Nick uniform. And until that thing gets settled, I think that the organization is still going to be on the lookout to acquire that guy. And realistically speaking, he ain't coming in the draft. You know, that's not a guy that you're just going to roll up there on draft night and say, okay, this is going to be the guy our franchise play. Like, that, that doesn't happen that often. It certainly doesn't happen with the Knicks, right? I mean, that goes without saying. But go take care of your business. Is that, the, is that too much to ask? Go down to Charlotte and win a game tonight against the Hornets. 
Like I said earlier, our Ranger coverage is going to be on 1050. They're going to be in Colorado to take on an Avalanche team, which, hey, you're getting at the right time. You know, McKinnon on the shelf for probably about a month. That team is scuffling a little bit right now. So if you have to play Colorado at any point, now is the time to play them when they're all banged up. You know, they they, they barely resemble the defending Stanley Cup champions here. And look, can the Rangers keep it going with the youngsters? They've made some contributions last couple of games. Strong third periods. Right? I know that one was only against St. Louis. And then you go into Vegas, who was playing as well as anybody in the conference. And you steamroll them over the final 20 minutes. Take it with you into Denver tonight and continue putting up points. You know, maybe another good Igor performance. Starting to maybe mimic the guy who was completely impenetrable last year and winning a Vezna Trophy. Got to win these games. Especially that division alone. The Metro is a buzzsaw. Like it is each and every year in the National Hockey League. All right. It's Football Friday. Got to get some picks in. Let's do some picks. Oh, yeah. You know it. Week number 14 in the National Football League. I got to be honest with you. Thank goodness. I didn't bother touching that game last night because I would have got it wrong, probably like a lot of other people. Nobody saw Baker Mayfield walking in off the street and beating the Raiders, even though it is the Raiders. Right? They lost to a brand new coach. Now they lose to a brand new quarterback. What else could go wrong for them? Blow it up. Blow it up in the offseason. That's what. All right, let's get some picks up here. Game number one. Go to the Music City. Jaguars. Titans. Trevor Lawrence all banged up. Is he going to go this week? And if he doesn't, if he does go, how effective is he going to be? Tennessee last week, they got humbled a little bit. Philadelphia ran away from them in the second half of that football game. I think that they'll bounce back. I think they'll find a way to recover. Got no problem laying the three and a half points. Titans are the better team. Titans, you know, I don't love them, but they're going to win the AFC South. And if you are starting to get a little greedy, by the way, if you root for a green and white football team and you're thinking about your playoff fortunes and you have to go the wild card route, my suggestion is to try to work your way all the way up to the five seed. Is that number one wild card? Why? Because in all probability, you're going to be playing the Titans in the first round of the playoffs and going into Tennessee. That is a matchup which I think will bode well if you're the Jets. But you got to get there first. A lot has to happen. This week, though, it's going to be all Tennessee. They're going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in that first game. Game number two. Game number two, we're going out to the West Coast. Getting on a plane, going all the way out there. Panthers, Seahawks, Sam Darnold, off the bye, taking on a Seahawks team, which found a way last week. Right? Best way to put it. They found a way. Come from behind, they beat John Walford and the Rams. I think they'll do it again. I think they got enough at home. You know, Carolina's a nice little story here. They're playing hard under Steve Wilkes. But a little bit different going out on the road. And oh, by the way, you know how many games Carolina's won away from home this year? Zero. Absolutely nothing. And they ain't going to get their first one coming up this week. Give me Seattle minus three and a half, game number two. Game number three, this one could get ugly, as they say. Kansas City going into Denver to take on Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, and that high-powered Denver Broncos attack. I thought Denver was actually going to win last week watching that game unfold in Baltimore, right? Lamar Jackson gets hurt. 
Tyler Huntley comes in. Ravens can't do a damn thing offensively. Neither can Denver, but you know what? At least their defense was keeping the Ravens off the scoreboard until the very end. Till the very end, Baltimore scores. Denver loses. Good luck trying people to get attending uh, Russell Wilson's birthday party now. That's not going to end pretty, I think, for anybody out there, to be quite honest with you. A lot of points. A lot of points the Broncos are getting this week. They're getting nine. You know? Kansas City's going on the road. But remember with Kansas City, they felt they should have beat the Bengals last week. Got Travis Kelsey, of all people, who fumbled early in the fourth quarter while the Chiefs were driving. Kelsey never fumbles. That was the turning point of the game. Turning point of the game. All the Chiefs have heard all week long is they can't beat the Bengals. They've lost three in a row to the Bengals. Joe Burrow owns Patrick Mahomes and company. Well, you know what? Kansas City is going to get right this week in Denver and continue the misery for Nathaniel Hackett and that Bronco team. I'll lay the nine. Give me KC. Big. Let's go on Monday night for game number four. To the desert. Patriots. Arizona. We haven't seen New England in a while, right? Haven't seen those guys since that Thursday night loss to the Buffalo Bills. They've actually played on back-to-back Thursdays. They played Thursday night Thanksgiving against the Vikings, then the Buffalo game. Now they go Monday, play Arizona. Patriots are still hanging around. Remember, if you're a Jet fan, you root for anything not name the Patriots the rest of the way because that is the team you do not control your destiny against. You don't want to tie against the Pats. But do you really have faith at all in the Arizona Cardinals? Do you? I mean, what a disaster that team is. And it's all being chronicled and captured on Hard Knocks, if you haven't been watching it. It's tremendous. I have zero faith in the Cardinals. I would love to sit here and tell you that Kyler Murray puts down his video game controller that is going to be good enough to beat the Patriots on Monday night, give Jet fans a little bit of a present as we are, you know, basking this holiday season. I, I, I just don't see it. You've had, you gave Bill Belichick 11 days to prepare for this game. You really think the Pats are going to go into Arizona and get outsmarted, outcoached, outfoxed, outexecuted by the Cardinals? I don't even think New England's that good, but you know what? I think a hell of a lot less of the Cardinals. So give me New England minus one and a half. Unfortunately, they're going to win that game on Monday night. And lastly, we're shuffling off to Buffalo. That's right. Heading up there, Jets, Bills. As Anthony just told you a little while ago, the line is all the way up to 10 right now. You know what? I don't need the 10. I'm going to roll what they gave me on the Cover 5 app, if you're familiar with it. And that was nine and a half. That was plenty. Jets beat the Bills a few weeks ago. That was with Zach Wilson. That was with the Jet third-string quarterback they beat Buffalo. Now they got their starting quarterback. Last name White, first name Mike. Team believes in him. Team plays hard for him. Corey Davis is playing. He didn't play in the first game. Elijah Moore, they throw him the ball now. They didn't throw him the ball in the first game. We got Zonovan Bam Knight running in this game. He wasn't active in the first game. Bam Knight, by the way, going to be in the pregame show on Sunday. One-on-one. The origins of the Bam nickname explained. Teaser. I don't know if the Jets are winning this game, but it ain't going to be a blowout. I think they match up well with the Bills. That defense is going to go up there and give Josh Allen fits, I believe. And really just the way, being in that room, talking to some of these guys a couple of days ago, 
Just the fallout from the way things got away from them in Minnesota. They feel like they left one out there on the field. And I think that they know they can beat this Bills team because they've done it already. And this one's going to be a war up there on Sunday. I'll take the nine and a half points. Give me the Jets in Buffalo. So the five picks, Jets plus nine and a half, Tennessee minus three and a half, Seattle minus three and a half, KC minus nine and New England minus one and a half. That is the Grasa Selections, week 14 in the National Football League. That'll pretty much do it for us. want to thank everybody that was a part of the program today. Boy, these two hours go fast, don't they? Like really fast. Thanks to Anthony Pusick. Thanks to Ray Dinahan. We'll be back with you on Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Jets countdown to kickoff. Greg Buttle and myself. Content through the roof.